There is an excellent book that has just been released. It's called God Alone, His Unique Attributes and How Knowing Them Changes Us. The author is Pastor Jonathan Griffiths. He's written several books. He's joining us from Canada this morning. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Well, good morning. I'm very well. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Wow, you talk about a topic that's super important and massively huge. Wow. this. But you know what? This book makes it accessible for each and every one of us, so applause to you for that. Well, we've just felt, I felt in engaging in study on this topic, how desperately I needed to look again at who God really is according to the Bible, and, and we found here at our church and through other ministries, that this has been a topic that there's a real hunger for uh, and a real need. You know, the book that I'm thinking of that is a very thick book, and most people would be intimidated by it, is The Attributes and Existence of God, uh-huh. Stephen Charnock, the Puritan. Uh, you look at that book, it's super thick. It's wonderful, but uh, it's it's going to take you some time to get through. I mean, that's Have you read that book by chance? That That is on my shelf, and that's a book I engage with in this much more accessible volume, I would say. <laughs> I would say, but it is wonderful. And you know, you point to something which is interesting, which is two, three hundred years ago, the Puritans really had a deep interest in knowing God as He's revealed in Scripture and in considering the attributes of God. If you want to study the attributes of God, go back to the Puritans, and you'll find treasure there. Uh, but. But over the intervening time, there's been much less actually dedicated study to that important theme. But that that is a very, very wonderful study of this this yeah. rich theme. Well, you hit home there. He's a big fan of the Puritans. I admit it. Yes. Oh, is that right? Yes. I admit it, yes. Now he's your fan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have a connection. Great, Jonathan. I love oh, it. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. <laughs> Let's work through some of this. Um, first of all, God is, we've got to wrap our minds around this. Part of the problem, isn't it, is the fact that we have fallen, finite little minds trying to grasp the infinite. That's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And one of uh, the issues that um, always comes up is God is eternal. What does that really mean? How can I understand that? I kind of sort of know how to understand that, but how can I really embrace it, maybe go a little bit deeper? Well, I mean, you're absolutely right to say, hey, look, we are finite creatures. We are made by God, and He has made Himself known to us in such a way that we can, we can know Him truly, but we won't, we won't know Him fully. And that's, that's, another, that's another attribute of God, that He's incomprehensible in that sense. We don't fully grasp all that He is, but His eternity is something that really stretches our thinking because we are, we are time-bound creatures. Uh, we are made in time, but made for eternity. Uh, and the idea that, that God is eternal means that He stands outside time, in a sense. He created time, but He has no beginning. He has no end. He's not limited by time in the sense that we are. He can look at all of human history as one comprehensive whole. Uh, one illustration that's been used by a number of writers is to think of uh, time as, as a river. We view it as a river, a, a continuum flowing through. But God, God can see the whole of time as, as a lake or as a sea. He views it as, as a comprehensive whole. And the idea that the eternal God can stand outside time in that sense and do that is, is marvelous. But, but the wonder of the gospel, of course, is that in the person of Jesus Christ, God stepped into time and into this world that he might redeem us time-bound creatures for eternity. Hmm. 
You know, another way that I've heard it explained is that what we see is kind of like just one little tiny snapshot, but God sees the whole photo. You know, that's another way. I mean, all metaphors eventually break down at a certain point. But I, that's always been helpful for me. God sees the beginning from the end. And that's and sometimes that's a question that people have. They're like, well, who created God, right? That's one of those questions people ask. And, and the answer is, well, he's nobody created God because he's always been. Right. You know, he's always been there. The God who was, who is, who always will be. And there again, our brains are kind of being stretched just thinking about that. It's cool, though, isn't it? Oh, it's, it, it is cool. It's marvelous. Uh, it's wonderful to give thought to these things, and it's it's also practical as well. And this is one of the things we really want to explore in the book and try and draw out. You know, if we if we fail to see that God is truly eternal, and we don't have that big vision of who He is, we're going to struggle to trust Him, trust Him with the future, with a, a future that is unseen and unknowable to us. But if we recognize that the eternal God sees the end from the beginning, you know, we can put our hand into His hand, as it were and walk with him in trust and, and in, in a much greater confidence. Let's talk about one of the omnis, so to speak. Omnipresent, okay, we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a moment. The omnipotent God. Maybe some folks have been, uh, you know, they listen, they're like, okay, I've heard that phrase tossed around, I've heard that word, what does it really mean? Fill in the blank for us. Well, it's such an important word, isn't it? To understand that God is all-powerful, that there is nothing beyond his power, that there is no circumstance beyond his power, there is no spiritual force that is greater than him in all the universe. It's a really vital truth, and I think it's one that, you know, we often believe partly, but not fully. And, and we see that when in our experience, personally, we hit a circumstance that seems out of control. Uh, or, or, or we see in our, our lives a dynamic which just doesn't seem to be changing. And we think there's no, there's no hope here. And at that point, we really need to turn to deepen our understanding of the fact that there is nothing beyond the power of God. He is truly all-powerful. And scriptures teach, I mean, the Bible teaches that from cover to cover. But I, I think we're slow to understand and, and slow to believe it. So I, I really wanted to dig into that, that truth in the book. Mm, that's great. Let's do another omni, the omnipresent God. Now, um, just we talked about the eternal God and how that really blows our mind to even try to even try to understand it. It's beyond us. Think about how big the known universe slash universes are. You know, with the Hubble Space Telescope, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, uh, all of that stuff. And you think of what's out there, and you think about the fact that God inhabits all of that and all that we have not even seen you know we we can't even that's how big our god is mm-hmm. here's the danger we we shrink him down not on purpose but we do that but oh my goodness he is present throughout all of this that we can see and even that stuff we can't see it's an incredible thing isn't it and it's it's a it's a truth that i think is very very comforting when we need comfort and it's very, very chastening when we need to be chastened. Uh, we, we, we need to remember God, God sees and knows all that we do, and, and, and isn't that important for us to remember? That's an accountability for us like none other. God always is with us, always sees. And then when we feel very, very alone and we're in need of comfort, to remember that God is always near at hand, 
There is nowhere we can go where he is not and where we are beyond his reach. And again, this is something that we perhaps quickly give assent to as believers, but maybe don't really comprehend and don't really hold to. And it's, it's such a wholesome truth. God is great, not only because he's so big, but maybe especially because he cares about the small details of our lives. Can the God of the universe, the universes, who is that big, can he really care about me? And, of course, when we think about that, we have to make a beeline for the cross, right? He cares about us so much that he sent Jesus to to die for our sins so that we could be with him forever. Now, that is love. It is love like no other love, and um, it teaches us something very wonderful about this God who is so magnificent and so big, omnipresent throughout that enormous universe, as you just pointed out, Kurt, but yet he came to us personally, uh, in flesh, in the person of his Son, and not only did he come to us, but he came for us, died in our place at the cross of Calvary. It's extraordinary that this great God of all the universe should come and subject himself to that for our sake. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? It is. It really is. You talk about meditation, you know, which, by the way, you know, I... I know this is kind of a sidebar, but it's unfortunate that the New Age movement has hijacked the word meditation, because if you go back, I know, okay, don't laugh. If you go back to the Puritans, they wrote about (laughs) biblical meditation all the time. In other words, thinking about Scripture, thinking about what you read, and that's kind of what we're doing right here, because we're taking a look at who God really is and pondering that. In this world today, Jonathan, I don't think we think deeply enough about these types of things. You know, we may say, well, I don't have time for this or whatever. We make time for what's really important, and we just need to sit there and be in the presence of God and allow ourselves to think about the implications. That's vital. Oh, it's so vital. And I, I think one of the things, you know, I've, I've been noticing and really prompted me in the writing of this particular book is a sense that, you know, we go for kind of a fast food fix when we're spiritually hungry. So we have a, you know, a particular issue in our lives and we want to know the answer and we want to fix and we, and we go for something quick and easy that we can grab hold of. And so, and so we, we head for just the issue. But my feeling is the underlying issue is always that we need to know who God is and learn to trust him and, and respond to him in faith and worship properly. And so rather than just hitting, heading for the, the issues and the quick fixes, we really need to, to head for the fundamental issue getting into our Bibles and knowing who God truly is, according mm-hmm. to the Scriptures. And that, that changes everything. Yeah, It does. And something that we've talked about here on the show before is, uh, you know, a lot of folks are very confused. They tend to say, well, the God of the Old Testament seems to be different than the God of the New. For instance, there's a lot of wrath of God in the Old Testament, uh, and then you have Jesus, very warm and comforting, although, you know, I mean, you think about it, God's wrath was poured out on him at the cross. We just talked about that a few minutes ago. But what do you say to those people who say, you know what, Uh, knowing who God is, he seems so different in the Old Old Testament than the New. What's the answer for that? Mm. I mean, I can understand why people have that question and might say that, but I... I do think that idea that the God of the Old Testament is the God of wrath and the God of the New Testament is the God of love, I mean, we've all heard that. I think it is essentially a caricature. I think if we really delve into the story of the Old Testament, what we really see is a God who has created 
uh, a people placed us in a in a beautiful world and given us every good gift and we've we've spurned his kindness again and again and he's persisted in love with the nation of Israel that he might through Israel bring salvation blessings to the world and he's persisted and persisted in the face of his people's sin and and we see immense grace in the old testament yes there is god's character as holy and just and and there is judgment but, you know as we get into the new testament and we see the promises of salvation fulfilled promises clearly there in the old testament throughout the story we also see the lord jesus come in in mercy but 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 speak of judgment as well and if we really listen to the word of jesus in the gospels we find that he speaks more of eternal judgment than anyone else Mm-hmm. So, so I think yeah. the caricature of the distinction isn't very accurate, but we see in Christ a wonderful fulfillment of all the hopes and promises and expectations of the Old Testament. So it's a beautiful unity. The fact that God never changes, boy, that's my firm foundation. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is beautiful, isn't it? Well, it is, and with respect to the question that you raise, it's such an important doctrine, isn't it? To understand that God does not change in his character, in his purposes, in his plans, and in his promises. We can trust his word, knowing that he never goes back on it. You know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever, and that's our foundation. And and, and that really is a truth that enables us to simply trust God. To, to to put our lives in his hands and to say, I trust you because I believe you're not you're not gonna give up on me, you're not gonna change your commitment to me. Uh there is no alteration with you, and so I'm secure in my relationship with you. It's a wonderful truth and we need it so desperately. Boy, it's so vitally important for us because we do have an enemy who is always active and wants to trip us up. I mean, if you want to follow Jesus, then you've got a bullseye on your back, you've got a target. Because the enemy of your soul, he doesn't want you to follow uh, the Lord. He doesn't want you to think about how great God really is. And he'll plant doubts, too. I mean, you know, we may have some folks listening this morning, Jonathan, who are like, okay, I, I see who God is, and I know they're, again, intellectually, and and this conversation is warming my heart. But if God is all-powerful, all-knowing, unchanging, God is love and all of that, why do I deal with well, fill in the blank. Why am I dealing with this, or why did this happen in my past? These are questions that have challenged Christians throughout the ages, and I want to give you the opportunity, maybe, in light of who God is, uh, to speak into somebody's life this morning. What do you want to say to them? Well, you know, theology has to meet reality, doesn't it? And we're all grappling with different circumstances in our lives, and I, I have no doubt that there will be some listening who are at the present time in the depths of grappling with a very painful circumstance. There's no question about that. And inevitably, questions come, you know, what does God make of this? How does God meet me in this? How do I understand God's work in the midst of this? And I think the truth that God is is unchanging is a great comfort in the midst of challenging circumstances. Mm -hmm. Everything else in my life might have changed. Everything might have just fallen apart. I might have suffered a, a catastrophic loss in some respect. And to be able to turn back to the Scriptures and look to the Lord and say, yesterday my life was totally different, and now, it, now so much is gone, but you have not changed from yesterday to today, that is, that is a tremendous help to us, actually, because it means there is a rock of stability at the core of our lives if we know God through faith in Jesus Christ. 
But we also need to reckon with the fact that we are in a world that is fallen due to sin. It's a very, very broken world. And we need to make sense of the suffering of that and the pain of that in light of the character of God and the nature of God. And we need to understand with that that, you know, God is a God of holiness and righteousness and perfect justice. And our, our sin is a problem in the sight of God. And, and this world is a world that uh, has turned away from him and is, in a real sense, suffering the effects of that. And, and that, is, that is part of the holiness of God and the justice of God that we're seeing that. But wonderfully, we know a God who has come to us in mercy and grace in the person of Jesus Christ. And he offers us forgiveness for the wrong that we've done. He offers us wholeness and healing of heart. And he offers us an eternity of hope uh, with him in his presence. And that's the heart of the gospel. And for some listening today, that, that will be what you need to hear and understand. God has sent his son for you. He loves you. And there is a way back to him through faith in Jesus. And that's, that's the core thing. That's the essential thing to know and to understand. Well, I love that. That's the yeah. gospel. You know, we don't want to bury the gospel. The gospel is the lead. Don't bury the lead. That's the bottom right. line. And when you know who God is, we, I mean, we do need to do the study for many reasons. Uh, we've discussed a few, but here's another one. I need to know who God is before I head into a challenge. I need to make my mind up and have a firm conviction of what the Bible tells me about who God really is, because if you are in the midst of a challenge and you try to connect the dot between me here in the situation and God and try to figure it out, that's not going to work. You need to start with God and then who he is and everything we've been talking about and then draw the line down to you. Start with him, not your circumstance, right? That's so vitally important. We need to have the foundations in place so that when the storm comes, we won't be moved. Trying to, to build the foundations, I mean, you folks live in a, in, a, in a state where there's some interesting weather from time to time, and you try and build a building in the midst of a hurricane, you're not going to get very far. Mm-hmm. You need to have the foundations laid already, and they need to be firm. And, and that's, that's the heart behind this book, that we would really have our foundations laid in the truth of who God is, so that whatever life throws at us, we can remain, remain fixed in Him, in, in our confidence and our trust. Well, good stuff. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Name of your book is God Alone, His Unique Attributes and How Knowing Them Changes Us. I'm confident that God is using this conversation right now to change us and to grow us up. I love good conversations like this. Well, what a privilege to be with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity.